0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text, elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. uh,
1: He explained the love of Hashem towards every yid, The love that Hashem demonstrates, that God demonstrates towards every Jew, despite whatever level we find ourselves in, even if we are in a very low level, just like the Jews were in Egypt, they were in the lowest spiritual rung, in the lowest spiritual level imaginable, they were addicted to idolatry, they were like the Egyptians. There was hardly any difference between the two. And yet, Hashem personally entered Egypt and yanked us out from and redeemed us and he brought us to Mount Sinai and gave us his Torah but the parable of a great mighty king awesome king who falls in love and is attracted to the biggest tramp <laughs> and, just, and uh, goes to the dunghill and lifts him up and brings him into his innermost chamber where even the ministers is not allowed in and hugs him and kisses him and takes him in, so too, Hashem loves each and every one of us, and despite our, despite the fact that we are the lowest, we live in the world that's the most degraded of all the worlds, the most decadent of all the worlds, coarsest, densest, most material, materialistic, the antithesis of anything that's spiritual, sublime, and holy. And yet, Hashem did not fall in love with the angels, He fell in love with us. And He married us, and He gave us Torah, and He gave us mitzvah, which is Hashem's kiss, and mitzvah, Hashem's hug. As we say in every blessing, that every time we do a mitzvah, we say, Yashar Kiddushon, you married us, it's Kidushan, you're intimate with us is attracted to us we can't help but reciprocate because the heart is like a mirror you can't help it it's a mirror it's nature it's the most natural thing in the world someone loves you you can't help but love them back in return just like the mirror can't help but reflect your image back so too if your friend loves you and demonstrates that love if you love your friend your friend can't help but love you back in return now how much more so if there's such a huge gap between you and your friend who is this whose end it loves it's not your friend it's not your equal not your peer Hashem infinite and mighty and great and yet he loves us personally individually and is attracted to us and is intimate with us and kisses us and hugs us we can't help it we can't help ourselves but love Hashem in return he cares about me so much when you know that someone cares about you you can't help it you care about them Very few people care about us, but if someone really cares about you, you really care about them in return. So when we see how much Hashem cares about how much He loves us, so genuinely, so sincerely, so... And He demonstrates this love openly, just like He did when He took us out of Egypt. He gives us the Torah and He gives us the Mitzvah. We can't help but love Hashem in return, care about Hashem in return and then he went on to explain that when he say not only that God marry us and is intimate with us but Kiddushanu means holy that Hashem's transcendent self that which level of Hashem are we intimate with it, so to speak not with a level of Hashem where Hashem projects himself towards us a ray but Hashem himself Hashem's holiness Hashem's intimate private self his essence we become intimate with Hashem's essence. Hashem revealed His very essence without any reservation, without holding back. He gives us His very essence. And with this we can understand, with this we can explain why when a Jew does a mitzvah, you have to stand up. Even if the Jew happens to be a bore, a simpleton, who doesn't know, who's not sensitive, Doesn't know of any subtleties. Simple Jew. And yet this simple Jew, when he's doing this mitzvah, he's connected with the very essence of Hashem. And that's why when he's doing the mitzvah, since Hashem's holiness hovers over his soul, he's connected with his soul, whether he feels it or not, therefore you have to stand up before course. Because you're standing up before Hashem's holiness. that's, That's now within the Jew. And this also explains why the Torah is a, a, a single Torah for every Jew, applicable to every Jew, from the greatest to the smallest. There's absolutely no difference from the greatest to the smallest. It doesn't matter if, God forbid, if the greatest the desecrates Shabbat, the greatest Sadiq eats bread on Pesach, or the simplest Jew, the cobbler, the tailor. You think to yourself, you can ask yourself, what's, how could you compare the two? A great Jew, a holy Jew, desecrates Shabbat, or any sin. So then, since the Jew is so holy, he violates this holiness. He deserves to be punished. And the severest punishment loses his life, forfeits his life. But if a simple Jew, what's the big deal? What's the big impact of the simple Jew's mitzvah? How deep, how profound, how spiritual? He doesn't feel anything, doesn't sense anything, doesn't even realize what he's doing. It's a mitzvah. It's a ritual. It's a costume. It's a ritual for him. He's performing it. How could you compare the level of holiness of the tzaddik versus who's doing the mitzvah with wings and the mitzvah soars to heaven and there's so much spirituality and so much love and so much passion and so much sensitivity and so much depth and so much inner Concentration in this mitzvah inner refinement, how could you compare it to the simple Jews who's doing the mitzvah very little emotion and no no depth and no spirituality how could, and yet the Torah makes absolutely no differentiation they get the exact same punishment and this is especially difficult to understand in those mitzvah that are basically on the person. Not so much on the object, but on the person. For example, Shabbos. You're not allowed to do work on Shabbos. But that very same thing you're not allowed to do, you're allowed to do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Activities that are in your house, they're in your home, they're kosher activities. A matter of fact, it's a mitzvah to do all these activities during the week. Six days a week It's a mitzvah to work. Suddenly on Shabbat it becomes forbidden. What does that mean? It means it's the person is forbidden to do the work. There's nothing wrong with lighting a candle. It's the person who has to rest on Shabbos. It's more on the person than on the object. On Shabbat, everything before Shabbat is no problem. It's absolutely no prohibition. Even though it's effect of your work on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, it's gonna continue to. It's gonna take root on Shabbat. There's no problem. Because on Shabbat, the prohibition is on the person. The person has to rest. So therefore, even work, which is kosher and a mitzvah, suddenly on Shabbat, you're now you have to refrain from working because the person has to rest. So since the obligation is on the person, and the same thing was with bread and Pesach. Eating bread all year is okay. We make a bread, a challah, what do you challah. On Shavuot, that was the highlight of the whole Shavuot, the whole holiday, is in the temple they would offer bread, the two breads that they would offer together with the sacrifice. So not only isn't bread a kosher, the bread is a mitzvah. Suddenly on Pesach, you're not allowed to eat bread, even a crumb of bread. So the prohibition is on the person. The person has to refrain. So in these two cases, the question becomes very difficult. How could you compare the two people? How could you compare the tzaddik? So consciously holy, so obviously holy, and senses holiness and draws down holiness and is in tune and in touch with holiness. Versus the kabbler, the tailor, the simple Jew, who doesn't know from holiness, doesn't know from anything. Simple, down to practical. He did the mitzvah. He ate bread. He didn't eat bread. On he desecrated the shabbat. Didn't desecrate the shabbat. How could you compare the two? The tzaddik desecrated holiness, an intense level of holiness, versus the Simple Jew desecrated a very minor, but yet the punishment is equal. Torah makes absolutely no differentiation. Just like we find the Torah doesn't make any differentiation when it comes to saving a Jewish life. Torah doesn't say that you have to desecrate Shabbat to save a tzaddik, an important member in the community most valuable member of the community any Jew, even a, a child, a day old child there's no difference because all the differences are only on the surface, external the core, the essence there's no difference a Jew, is a Jew is a Jew and the same thing is with the Torah and the mitzvah when a Jew does a mitzvah whether he's aware of it or not he draws down God's holiness God's intimate self God's innermost self, so His essence. You're connecting with the essence of God. You're touching and being touched by God Himself. You're touching the divine. It has nothing to do with you. It's not within our power. It's not within our might. But God has chosen. And he has invested himself in the Torah. And given himself in the Torah. Matan Torah. He gave himself into the Torah. He is intimate with us. He has chosen us. It's not within the human capacity to draw down God's holiness. Angels can't draw down God's holiness. They can meditate for a thousand years. And they don't take a break to drink. And they don't sleep. Buddha has nothing in an angel. Mother Teresa has nothing in the neck. Angels sit and meditate without interruption, not nine hours a day, 24 hours a day. That's all they do. All they do all day and all night is sit and meditate. Purely spiritual sublime beings. And yet they don't draw down God's holiness. They ask themselves the question, as we say in the morning prayer, they answer, where is God? Who touches God? Who draws down God's holiness? And what's the answer? The Jew he studies Torah and does mitzvah, he draws down God's homies. So it's not within the human capacity, it's not within our finite capacity it's because God chose us God is attracted to us, he fell in love with us and he cares about us, he loves us and shares his intimate self with us and invests himself into us so anytime a Jew does a mitzvah from the greatest to the smallest we are touching the divine we're connecting with the divine and therefore, when a drew, even the simplest Jew, when you eat bread on Pesach and you desecrate the Shabbat, you desecrated God's holiness. God said, it's my holiness. When you do a mitzvah, you're drawing down my holiness. When you celebrate Shabbat and you observe Shabbat, you're drawing down my holiness, my essence. When you celebrate and, and um, keep Pesach, you're drawing down God's holiness. God forbid when you desecrate that holiness, the consequence is the worst punishment because you, you're desecrating God's holiness. And the simplest truth desecrated has the same holiness. draws down the same holiness. And when you desecrate that holiness, you get the same punishment. It doesn't matter. And the greatest to the smallest.
2: Well, we all have one Torah. The laws of the Torah apply equally to all Jews. From all the above, it becomes eminently clear that though a person may not feel the sanctity brought about by the performance of a mitzvah, so much so that he is likened to a beast, nevertheless, through his performance of a mitzvah, this beast is unified with Hashem to the same degree as the greatest sage. Indeed, this is the implication of the verse. Beast, I am with you, yet I am constantly with you.
1: Even though, even when I am with you, even when I'm studying Torah and doing a mitzvah, and yet I'm like a beast, I'm completely insensitive to to what I'm experiencing, to what's expiring here. I don't feel, I don't sense the holiness. But nevertheless, it doesn't change the reality. The fact remains that I am with you, constantly with you through constantly studying Torah and constantly doing mitzvah, the Jew is able to be constantly with God, to be intimate with Hashem, 24-7, through the constant studying of Torah and the constant mitzvah that we, show, that we have throughout our days and throughout our lives.
2: The Altar Rebbe now goes on to say that there is a definite reason why the similarity to a beast is described in the plural. Beast. I am with you. This tells us that the performance of a mitzvah on the level of a beast with neither comprehension nor feeling is related to the spiritual level which transcends comprehension and feeling, this level too being termed beast, since it is not in the realm of comprehension rather transcending it. Thus there are two levels of beasts, that which is lower than the realm of comprehension and that which is above it. Both are alluded to by the same word. The two are connected.
1: Since we're dealing here with the level of God, God's holiness, God's intimate self, it's a level that transcends, transcends the whole frame of reference, our whole conscious frame of reference, the whole universe. So therefore... It's a level where the highest level of sensitivity is not a vehicle is not a vessel for this level can't contain this level can't truly comprehend this level because it completely transcends human consciousness or even angelic consciousness, heavenly consciousness, higher levels of consciousness, deep meditation, deep spirituality, intense religion it totally transcends so in other words, a level which the highest level of spirituality is not a vessel for this level. And even the coarsest, the exact opposite of spirituality, the coarsest, the most material, is not a contradiction. Just like God could be intimate with the highest level of spirituality, although He transcends that level and that level is not a vessel and a vehicle, so, too, God could be intimate. It's not a contradiction to God. He can be intimate even with the coarsest, even with the most material, even with the most coarsest, simplest Jew. And even if He's doing a mitzvah that's physical. And yet, God's holiness is found in that mitzvah. When you eat that matzah and you bite into that matzah, you're connecting, you're touching God's holiness where all the meditation in the world and all the spirituality in the world can't even come close, can't even touch God's holiness. So a level in which the highest level of spirituality is not a vessel or a vehicle for that level because God's holiness completely transcends even the highest level of spirituality. So that for that to that level, the most courses is not a contradiction. It could also be a vehicle and a vessel for it so the two behemoths, the two animals are connected that the person who's like a beast who feels nothing who's insensitive who's coarse, materialistic simple that person could receive and could connect with God's holiness just like the highest level of spirituality could receive it not because it's a vessel The reason why the tzaddik is connected with God's holiness is not because the tzaddik is a vessel. His spirituality and sensitivity makes him into a vessel for this holiness. No. He's not a vessel for this holiness. His holiness completely transcends the entire universe. God is not spiritual. That's the mistake of all religions. They confuse spirituality with God. They think that God is spiritual. And therefore, the whole emphasis of all religions is spirituality. Love, refinement, sensitivity, the sublime, religious intensity, depth, music, heavenly, higher levels of consciousness. The action is completely looked down at. Who cares about action? As long as you love, as long as you have faith, as long as you believe, that's what matters the soul comes along Judaism and says soul the soul doesn't know what God looks like God completely transcends God is not spiritual God's essence is a mystery the angels don't know what God looks like and they ask themselves the question where is God? they can't grasp Him they can't find Him they can't even begin just like the blind person can't even begin to describe what sight is like can't. It's impossible. Try, try to explain to a blind person that there's a glass wall and you can see through a wall. He doesn't know. He can't can't grasp that concept. He doesn't know what sight is like, cause he doesn't have it. So, the soul and all the spiritual realms can't even don't can even begin to grasp what God is. Because God is completely transcendent. God is holy, Hakadosh Baruch Hu. completely transcendent. and yet where is God find, found in this world in the deed, in the action so the greatest tzaddik is not really a vehicle a vessel can on his own draw down God's holiness it's only because of God's choosing and therefore the simplest and the coarsest is not a contradiction to connecting and touching the divine touching God's holiness Because the two are connected difference between the tzaddik and the simple Jew is that the tzaddik feels the holiness experiences the holiness responds to this holiness when he does a mitzvah he responds he's excited he's enthusiastic he's passionate he's moved, he's touched while the simplest Jew doesn't feel we do the mitzvah, and it leaves us, we don't respond, we don't react. Until we realize, as al Rebbe explains in this chapter, we realize how much God loves us, and how much He demonstrates that love for us. That He's intimate with us, and He's attracted to us, and He cares about us. Once you realize that, then you can't help but love God in return. Despite the fact that I'm so lowly, despite the fact that I'm like a beast. Spiritually I'm like a beast. Just like the beast doesn't feel anything, doesn't sense anything. So spiritually I'm like a beast. I may know intellectually, but I don't feel, I don't respond, I don't sense. There's no inner response. I'm doing Torah and I'm doing mitzvot, and it's like a beast. There's no response. There's no movement. There's no I don't relate. I don't connect. And yet despite the fact that I'm a beast, God loves me and His holiness is with me in His its entirety in His entirety and He's intimate with me. Once you realize that, you can't help but love God in return. And then, to be a passionate Jew is something that becomes very near and dear to each and every Jew, something we can all achieve and all accomplish, even the simplest.
2: So why call it a beast, you know. I mean, maybe a behemoth, you know. In other words, uh, it is a
1: behemoth. Bahama. Behemoth is a beast. Yeah,
2: but a beast doesn't seem to have the dignity. That, you know, in other words, uh, you can be unfeeling and all that, but still.
1: A behemoth doesn't I mean, have. A behemoth doesn't have dignity. He
2: thinks you're a beast.
1: That's what he means. He means a beast. Exactly. a Behemoth is a beast. This, that's the definition of a behemoth. Okay. A behemoth, an animal, is a beast. A beast doesn't feel anything, doesn't doesn't sense anything, doesn't realize, not aware, completely unconscious. Beasts have no shame. When was the last time you saw a beast blush? Beasts don't blush. Completely unaware, not conscious. Not even really conscious of themselves. You know, they say... uh, why the, the horse kicks, because he sees a reflection in the water. He, sees it, he thinks it's another horse that's stealing his water from him. Yeah, he doesn't make the connection that it's him. He's seeing himself. They don't have that awareness. They don't have that consciousness. When you don't have that consciousness, you're like a beast. In comparison to a person, a beast is a beast. So in comparison to a person who is spiritual, who is sensitive, who does respond, The beast is like a beast, like a spiritual beast. He doesn't respond to anything spiritual, doesn't react to anything spiritual, doesn't connect with anything spiritual. Just like a beast, all a beast is worried about is pleasure, fun, survival, eat, drink, the hay. That's all he thinks about. His natural pleasures and doesn't think of anything else. So a person who lives like that, and we all have the animal soul within us, then we're like a beast in comparison to our elders, our ancestors, who lived in the times of the temple, in the era of prophecy, who were in tune with spirituality, who were spiritual beings, who, who related to spirituality, connected with spirituality, sensed godliness, responded to godliness, had a relationship with Hashem. We are like beasts because we do the Torah, we do the mitzvah, we could be immersed in it, and yet there's no response. There's no connection. It's like the first generation of Hasidim, one of, they were all rebels because they didn't grow up Hasidim. They were nonconformists. And this prize student in the yeshiva ran away and became a Hasid. When he went, came back home, his Rosh Shiva, the dean of his school, asked him, I don't understand, why did you run away? What did you learn in Mizritch that I didn't teach you? So, his former student looks at him and he says, I learned to be a mind reader. He says, Really? So, tell me what I'm thinking. He says, Close your eyes and think for a minute, and I'll tell you exactly what you think. Fine. So he closes his eyes and he thinks. And he opens his eyes, he turns to the students and no, says, What was I thinking? He says, You were thinking about God. He said, Absolutely not. He says, That's why I left. <laughs> 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 so, here you can be immersed in Torah all day and every day all you're doing is studying Torah Talmud legalese and you're not thinking about God absolutely not that means you're like a beast there's no reaction you don't become more refined how could you study Torah and do mitzvot all day and every day and be totally immersed and yet be like an animal arrogant egotistical selfish self-centered all you're worried about is your honor your power your fame someone God forbid slights your honor oh who you know who knows you know so there's something wrong here there's absolutely no refinement just because you're brilliant you have a brilliant mind and you study Torah all day you're like a beast there's no there's no refinement there's no inner refinement there's no inner movement there's no inner improvement there's no inner change you haven't changed your habits you haven't changed your nature you haven't changed even your good habits so there's something wrong here, it's like a beast here you're immersed in the divine all day and every day but unlike Moses, the greatest Torah scholar and yet he was the most humble person that ever lived every bit of Torah that he studied transformed him, refined him, elevated him, challenged him and here you can study Torah all day and every day our generation in comparison to that generation of the giants, our ancestors, were holy Jews all we can think about all day is the Garden of Eden is, is the reward big enough for us the eternal ego You know, it's all about me, myself and I you're not absolutely not thinking about God not for a moment but there's something wrong with this picture that's why you're like a beast like a bull in a china shop you're in a china shop you're dealing with something delicate you're dealing with something divine and godly and there's absolutely no refinement you look at the face arrogant, egotistical Selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. So just because you're brilliant and you've studied the whole Talmud, there's not one iota of refinement. Then you're like a beast. You're doing a mitzvah and it's so cold, so soulless, so passionless, so harsh. Harsh in yourself, harsh on everyone around you. So merciless, so no heart, no soul. No, elevation. You're not even thinking about Hashem. You're thinking about yourself. I will have a share in the world to come. I, 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 I. That's the world we live in today. I is a capital, a capital I. <laughs> you is a small little y. So this is the beast. Is there a greater beast than that? As Rabbi Chaim Vital. The great student of the Arizal, the great one of the greatest, the greatest Kabbalist that ever lived. His student, his prized student, who everything we know of the Arizal is through him. runs wrote, he says, someone who studies the tractate, a messiah that if someone, um, if someone trades an axe for a donkey, and the, and the um, and the ox gave birth. But we're not sure if it gave birth before the trade or after the trade. So who, does the, who do the children belong to? So says if anyone believes that the Talmud is only talking about a legal issue. But the Talmud doesn't have an inner depth, an inner soul. What it means Kabbalistically and the way they study Torah and heaven. Over there there are no oxen and there are no sheep and, I mean, and there are no donkeys so everything in the Torah has the soul of the Torah so anyone who just believes that the Torah is just on the surface then he himself is the axe <laughs> then he is the axe he's not learning about the axe he is the axe, he is the beast so you could be a dean of a yeshiva and you're studying Torah all day and you yourself are the axe and the beast there's absolutely no refinement absolutely no inner no soulfulness there's no soul, there's no spirituality, there's no selflessness, there's no egolessness, there's no godliness, you know, thinking about God. As the rabbi said, absolutely not. I'm absolutely not thinking about God. I think about myself all day and every day. So there is something wrong with this picture. That's like a beast. Is there a greater beast than that? You could be immersed in Torah and yet not be touched by the light of Torah? Not even be, not even a drop? And yet, nevertheless, through studying Torah and doing mitzvah, Hashem's holiness is with us. And if we violate the mitzvah, we desecrated Hashem's holiness. And that's why we have such severe consequences. You lose your life. I ate a drop of bread. You lose your life. Because you're desecrating Hashem's holiness level of Hashem, Hashem's intimate holiness, holiness that completely transcends the whole universe. And the simplest true and the greatest true, it's all the same, all equal. So he says, Beheame Sayisi Imach," that I am with you, Behemas in the plural form.
3: And thus for the use of the plural form beast, which is inconsistent both with the singular form mentioned earlier and I am the fool. And with the singular form mentioned later, and I am constantly.
0: So
1: why does he switch from the singular? He says, "I am with you," and then he says, "Behem is ha'yisiim" in the plural.
3: This intimates that before him, even that ilion knowledge, which comprises hesed and gevura, is like beasts and the physical creation, which means physical world of Asiyah, not its spiritual counterpart, when compared with the light of the einsof As it is written, you made them all with wisdom, thereby comparing the level of Chokhmah, wisdom with Asiyah physical creation. From God's perspective, Chokhmah and Asiyah are equally distant
1: we're trying to praise God how we're praising God we're saying that God everything you made was with wisdom really even a human being everything you do is with wisdom it's not, it's not a great praise of God it would be I mean even a simple human being a human being you do something there, there's a logic behind it so of course he created it with wisdom what's the great praise that we're praising God wow God everything you've done is with wisdom you can find God's wisdom in everything. There's so much wisdom in everything, from the amoeba to every creature, and everything in the world. So much wisdom. But you see the different sciences, and we haven't even began to plumb the depth of the wisdom. But this is no great praise for God. Obviously, everything God does is, is with intelligence, is with wisdom. So what King David is saying is that everything, that wisdom, is like action. To God, wisdom and action are all the same. To us, tis a huge difference, a world of difference between wisdom and action. A person whose action versus wisdom represents the mind, the soul, the spiritual, versus action. Action is something tangible. You can't compare action, something tangible, to wisdom. The inner richness of the soul and Wisdom and creativity and music and art, and there's no comparison. Although there are only five degrees of separation between touch and wisdom there's touch, then there's speech, then there's thought, then there's emotions, feelings, and then there's wisdom. Only five degrees of separation, and yet they're like worlds apart. Can't even compare the two. This is, the top of the, this is the top, the highest level in our world, in our frame of reference, in our universe. What's the highest level? What's the peak? Peak experience? What's the top, the highest? Wisdom, creativity, soul, inner richness, inner depth, intensity, spirituality. This is the highest level a person could reach. What's the lowest? Touch, tangible, physical, material. Even an animal has touch. What distinguishes man is that we have wisdom. But to God, wisdom and action are all the same. What we consider one extreme and the other extreme, the top, the peak, and all the way in the bottom, to God, they're both the same. Because God is so transcendent. God is so beyond. Our whole frame of reference by us, our whole universe, only five degrees of separation. From the peak, the highest level, to the lowest level. But how many levels are there beyond? Thousands? Tens of thousands? Just like in the, in, in, in the, in the spectrum that we're able to see. The spectrum that we're able to see is... The tiniest part of the spectrum. There's so much beyond the spectrum, beyond that we can see. There's X-ray and other 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 levels that we can't even see. The naked eye is not even a vessel for it. So in that little tiny sliver of the spectrum that we're able to see, we can differentiate the intense color, shallow color. But that whole difference, when you compare it to the other levels, it's, it's nothing. The top and the bottom. Means absolutely nothing. The king of the hill and the bottom of the hill. The hill is so tiny and insignificant that the king and the bottom is all the same. You know, imagine the the, the mayor of a little of Parksville and the, and the simplest person. You know, when you compare it to the, to the great United States of America, the government, the biggest and the smallest, all the same. It, it's there's no what we consider the greatest and is it's it's an equalizer when you look at it from a higher point of view from a transcendent point of view just like you have the different levels of, of hearing that we're able to hear again the spectrum of hearing we're able to hear is the tiniest tiniest sliver of the spectrum but there's so many sound waves that are beyond our human capacity of hearing There are levels that animals are able to hear we can hear so when you go to those, those levels the that our whole sliver that we are able to hear and receive and absorb, and we make distinctions this is a loud sound, and this is a very low sound. The king of the hill and the bottom of the hill are all the same. They're both insignificant. When you compare this little sliver compared to the whole picture. So here there are five degrees of separation, and yet by us there's no comparison. You can't compare the whole world of of soul and wisdom and spirituality and religion and and, and philosophy to the world of action, of touch, brute action, simple action. Peasant, farmer, the simplest versus the philosopher, the Nobel Prize winner, the deep mystic, the religious person, the spiritual person, the wise man. There's no comparison. The wise man is king of the hill, and the uh, simple person is in the bottom of the hill. But this whole comparison, if you relate it to God, the king of the hill and the bottom of the hill is all the same. They're both insignificant. They're both absolutely nothing. You know? It's like the tip of the iceberg. Okay, well, you have the top of the tip and you have the bottom of the tip. Comparison to the comparison of the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg is all the same. It's the tip of the iceberg, the top of the tip, and the bottom of the tip. It means absolutely nothing, it's completely insignificant. So that's what King David is trying to tell us. In comparison to God, not only five degrees of separation, there's thousands, tens of thousands. But God is so transcendent, there's so many levels beyond, there's the subconscious, so many levels beyond our conscious frame of reference, our whole frame of reference, our whole world. So in comparison to God, the, our whole frame of reference, our whole universe, which begins, the beginning of consciousness, which begins with wisdom and the end is the tangible, the physical the brute, the, 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 the material to God it's all the same the king of the hill and the bottom of the hill is all the same they're both insignificant Bechachma, wisdom is like action it's all the same wisdom and action are all the same so just like to God, just like if someone says I can grab God with my fingers it's ridiculous how do you grab God with your fingers? To God, it's equally ridiculous to say, I grasp God with my mind, with my philosophy, with my meditation, with my, with my soul. It's, it's equally nonsensical. Or even to say, I can't grasp God. Just like it's nonsensical to say, I can't grasp God with my fingers. There's no connection. So to say I can't grasp God through philosophy and through spirituality and through meditation is just as nonsensical. It doesn't tell me anything about God. It means absolutely nothing. God is so transcendent. So that's what King David is telling us. That God, everything you've created, the Chachma is a sisa. To you, wisdom and action are all the same. It's like you've done. The wisdom, the highest, the most sublime, is like action. To you, it's like action. It's like the most tangible, all the same wisdom, action, it's all, it's an equalizer God is an equalizer therefore there's absolutely no difference so God is a true equalizer and this is the foundation of Judaism which we'll get to in a moment but let's, let's first finish um, so from God's perspective Chach equally distant
0: and this is called the Hema Rabbah, a great beast renoting that level of beast which transcends understanding rather than that which lacks comprehension, as is explained elsewhere. And this is the level of the supernal name of Baal, one of the four variations of the tetragrammaton corresponding with the number 52, with the same numerical equivalent of the Hebrew word the beast, which is on a level even preceding atzivu. We thus see that even one who performs mitzvot on the level of a fool or beast, neither comprehending nor sensing the unity and holiness achieved and drawn down through his actions, even such a person too attains a union with the level of beast that transcends even that most lofty of levels. The
1: So Behema Rabba refers to the level that completely transcends The world of Atsilas, even the wisdom, the supernal wisdom of the the, divine world of emanation. Because that's the beginning of consciousness. That's the beginning of definition of... But there's a level that completely transcends that level. Like the subconscious completely transcends our whole level of consciousness, our whole frame of reference. So we're saying when a Jew does a mitzvah, even though I am like a beast in the literal sense that I don't feel and I'm not sensitive. And nevertheless, Behemois, I'm one with the level of Behema Rabbah, of the great Behema, which refers to the name of Ban, which refers to God's name, which totally transcends the world of Atzilus, which represents God's transcendent self, which completely transcends the whole wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, the whole world of comprehension. And therefore, since God completely transcends the world of comprehension, therefore, He's able to equally Be intimate, even with the lowest level, because the God is all the same. The highest and the lowest, lowest, is all the same. So even though we're still beasts, it's not a contradiction. God could be with us and be intimate with us and be completely revealed to us, even though we don't sense anything and we don't feel anything. But it doesn't change the reality that God is completely with us. And um, this is really a very, very basic, fundamental approach to Judaism. And this is what's revolutionary about Judaism. You know, it's interesting that the the anti-Semites accused the Jewish people. You know, the Protocols of Zion and other modern-day versions that Jews run the world and we control the world. and We control the media and we run the world and we manipulate the world and you know, anyone who knows anything about Judaism, it's, it's, you can't help but laugh because it's so ridiculous, so absurd. The difference in Judaism and all other religions, all other religions were started by one individual or group of individuals. Well, if you believe whatever they say, whatever they claim, fine. You know, I have a bridge to sell you. But that's a separate story but the giving of the Torah, Judaism Judaism God revealed Himself not to Moshe He revealed Himself to every single Jew there was one Jew missing at Mount Sinai Moshe would not receive a Torah so everyone heard God speak everyone, the simplest Kabbalah, the simplest tale every man, woman and child there was no you know Those in control, those in charge, you know, the special people, the inside people. God was a true democrat, true egalitarian. Judaism is truly egalitarian, truly democratic. Each and every Jew, God spoke to everyone equally, the simplest to the greatest. So the whole Judaism is not about control. It's not religion, it's much deeper than religion. It's not in the control and the priest and, and those handful you know, who are in charge or in control and use religion to manipulate people or to control people. Anyone who knows anything about Judaism it's, it's not about ego. It's not about control. It's about touching the divine. Becoming intimate with Hashem. And it's a truly equal opportunity there's absolutely no difference from the simplest to the greatest you have to desecrate Shabbat to save even the simple Jew no distinctions and we, as we just learned every Jew equally if you violate the mitzvah you get the exact same punishment because every Jew draws down the exact same level of holiness God's transcendent holiness God's intimate self there's no difference not only Moses draws down God's holiness. the simplest simple as Jew. And that's why if you desecrate their holiness, you get the worst punishment. Everyone, equally. So, from the 13-year-old child, immature child, who just turned Bar Mitzvah, Bat Mitzvah, to the greatest rabbi, mystic, and scholar. So there's no hiding behind religion. You can't hide behind Judaism to control another Jew, to beat up another Jew, or to feel holier than thou to look down at another Jew Judaism, you have to approach Judaism with a sense of egolessness it's not about me, you're dealing here with the divine You're you're dealing here with Hashem's holiness you're dealing here with something that completely transcends our whole frame of reference, religion, spirituality you approach Judaism with humility you're humbled by it Hashem is intimate with me. Hashem was completely transcendent, is attracted to me, is humble me. The tzaddik is humbled by it. And he responds to it. And if we were to pay attention, we would all, all be humbled by it and respond to it and connect with it. But in Judaism, is the ultimate, ultimate democratic movement, it's the ultimate egalitarian movement. And the Hasidic movement, the Balshemtif, who loved the simple Jew and the Tanya which explains and articulates the approach of the Balshem there's no looking down there's no control there's no elite a select few the Balshem Tev took Kabbalah and made it available and accessible to everyone there's no one in charge in control it's open to everyone because God's holiness belongs to every Jew As a matter of fact, a simple Jew who's brokenhearted, who has no ego, is more in touch, more in tune than perhaps the greatest rabbi, mystic, and scholar who's satisfied, who's smug, who's content, who's satisfied from his learning. Because he's more in touch with the divine, the purity of the simple person, the purity of his intention, no ears, no guile, No artifice, just real, genuine, authentic. His authenticity touches the essence and the authenticity of God. Connects directly to the essence of God. So, if anything, has taught us to respect the simple person. Not only there's no looking down, there's no manipulation or control, trying to control, looking down at the masses. All these conspiracy theories, are built on there's a handful of people who control the masses and really nothing changed they still look at at us like serfs those who are in power those who are in control and they just manipulate democracy for their own purposes but they still look down at the masses at the serfs and just manipulate and all they care about is their own money and their own power and their own control and I'm sure there's a lot of truth to all of these accusations. It has nothing to do with Judaism. <laughs> Judaism is on the contrary. Judaism is about respect for every human being. Every human being is created in the image of God. Every human being is a potential Noach. The respect for the simplest. There's no manipulation. There's no control. There's no looking down. There's no, God forbid, treating the masses like serfs. This is the antithesis of Judaism. The whole essence of Judaism is about the genuineness that we're dealing here with God, we're dealing here with the divine. The whole approach is one with humility. The rabbi is not in control, the rabbi is the one who's the most humble. And he sees the divine in everything. And we come to the rabbi to ask us, how does the Torah, what does the divine, what does Hashem say about this issue? It's not that the rabbi is in control, and a rabbi is not a career oh there's doctors and there's lawyers and I'm a rabbi it's a career, another ego maniac, a career what does a rabbi have to do with career? not a career this is godly, it's divine Judaism is divine, it's godly, it's not about career you know the, the whole language has been you know, it's, it's so foreign and alien to Judaism, if you study Tanya and you study Chassidus this whole language, rabbi, career in a career. What's career? You're dealing here with the divine, with God. There's a the humility. There's, there's, you're dealing here with something genuine, authentic. It's not about control, honor, fame, money, power, respect. That's not what it's about. It's about egolessness, about humility. It's about the genuine, the divine, authenticity. So, all these accusations against Jews, anyone who knows anything about Judaism, it's so absurd it's so ridiculous because Judaism is the exact the antithesis of these elites who look down at the masses the surface, and do manipulate them do try to control them. and, and um, on the contrary Judaism the goal of Judaism is the coming of Mashiach Mashiach will come and says everyone will know God kulam Yeh says says every wrote in the introduction everyone will have a direct connection with God no, no one will be in no power, no control everyone will have direct knowledge of God the simplest to the greatest the whole entire world the Jew as well as the non-Jew the main occupation of the world will be the pursuit of knowledge and the knowledge of Hashem 6 billion people it's not about control Romanity says the Jews do not yearn for Mashiach because then the Jewish people will have honor and fame that's not what it's about that's not what, that's not what we're looking for we're looking forward to Mashiach because then the world will be genuine then the world will be divine the world will be in touch the truth will be obvious self-evident every human being will be created, who's created in the image of God will be in touch with that truth and every Jew will be in touch with his Jewishness and proud of his Jewishness and live his Jew- Jewishness that's why the Jew look forward to Mashiach of course the Jew will be the, the spiritual guide and leader and mentor of the world it's not about ego it's, not, it's nothing with ego on the contrary the one who has knowledge, the one who has information, wants to share that information. Doesn't try to control and hoard that information or manipulate that information on the country. Tries to share it and communicate it and connect and make it available and accessible. So don't be intimidated, you know. You look in the Internet, there's a lot of hate sites and terrible, terrible anti-Semitism that's running rampant and we haven't seen since Hitler, since the Nazis in the 1930s. And, uh, you know, Jews get intimidated by all these accusations. Don't be intimidated. There's not even an iota of truth in all these accusations. It's the exact opposite. Anyone who knows anything about Judaism is the
0: 180-degree opposite. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.